our community, your radio station. Well, thanks for listening to me, Gordon T, on Hope FM Drive. Uh, and I'm very pleased to say that right now, as part of our community focus today, we are joined by BJ Wolfo, uh, the Associate Director of Operations at Royal Bournemouth and Christchurch Hospitals. Hi, BJ, are you there? Yes, I am, Gordon. Welcome to Hope FM. Um, I just want to start by saying thank you so very much to you and all of the staff in our hospitals around our area who've just served us so magnificently during such a challenging time, uh, crazy situations, and um, we're just so grateful. I just want to say that on air. I'm personally just amazed with what you guys have done. Thank you very much. That's most kind of you. Um, can we just start by just... You maybe just take a moment just to paint a quick picture of what it's actually been like, because most of us, have, if I'm honest, have been trying to avoid going to the hospital as much as possible, and the doctors, and just about anywhere. Um, but what's it been like working in the hospital over the last few months? Um, it, it's not been easy. It's not been easy. I've been here um, every day. I'm one of those very fortunate people that I didn't need to shield or and I didn't catch COVID. So I've been here every day, and it is, has been hard. Um, and some some of the bad times you try to forget. You know, that's a bit like life, really. Um, but seeing, I think, when you saw so many people so sick with it, and when you started seeing your colleagues sick with it, it really hit home. And then, of course, your own family members, so you and of the or everything in the news. So you were really surrounded by the by COVID, and you just couldn't get away from it. But I believe that we've some real benefits and real positivity has come out of this horrible experience that we that we went through. Wow. Well, I can't, I've got to say. I, I'm still very grateful. It sounds like it was a terrible situation to go through. Uh, but the hospital itself, did it get the things that it needed to be able to cope? Did it get enough PPE? Or was it like on the news where there just simply wasn't enough to go around? Um, the, the, the issue there, Gordon, specifically was the guidance was changing quite a lot. And we had to follow that guidance. And sometimes the PPE didn't keep up with that guidance. So um, uh, we never ran out of anything. Yes, sometimes we were, you know, within hours of, of running out of stuff. But we had, we've got a brilliant logistics department. That's the people that get all our supplies in. And we had, reg- we had meetings all day long monitoring that. So we did, we did not ever run out of anything that ever affected our staff and their ability to manage because predominantly we never got hit as bad as we were seeing in the rest of the world, um, which was our fear, of course, and, but also perhaps in places like London. So we were always planning for the very, very worst. And I think because those plans were in place, we, we, we did manage um, uh, to cope and manage with the supplies that we had. Well, that, that's good news. Um, and all the people working behind the scenes as well, I think I just want to say thank you to them as well, because it's not just the frontline doctors. Obviously, they're the ones that are most risk oh. maybe in the nurses, but the people behind the scenes make it happen, don't they? Um, the, so uh, we should never forget that. And I've done quite a lot on social media about that, because, yes, 
we all talk about the ITU and un, and don't get me wrong, that's you know to wear that PPE, the level of PPE, and work a 12-hour shift is exhausting, and to see those very sick people with a disease that we really didn't know how it was going to present, how it was going to pan out, which is usually what we do. We can, you know, we can, when a person comes in with a condition, we can say this is what's likely to happen. This is the prognosis. This is the treatment. But, of course, those unknowns were what made made it difficult. So I take my hat off to those people and those people in the emergency department who were, dealing with this unknown virus but we could not have done it without catering giving extra supplies to all our staff and you know we were providing a 24-hour service giving as the extra supplies to ITU, HGU, um, ED but but housekeeping oh my goodness they are to me our real heroes I mean I'm responsible for housekeeping, but the amount of additional cleaning they had to do to keep mm. our place safe for our patients and our staff should never be underestimated. But there, there isn't a person in this organization that didn't change the way they worked, the way they behaved. So even people like our information department, the, the central government was asking for so much data and without them changing from their normal five-day service to a seven-day service which they did effortlessly to meet the demands then we could not have coped there is nobody that is we as a team we work together as a team to achieve what was best for our patients yeah well you, uh, it is huge the undertaking is taken but the thing I was going to mention, you mentioned data just then, and data is something that always interests me, and I, I've been monitoring the cases in the uh, Bournemouth Christchurch Pool area, uh, and I'd noticed that on the 29th of June, there were 492 confirmed cases. I know this isn't your stats, this is the stats from, uh, I believe, BCP, but uh, but it, it jumped hugely up to the 6th of July, where it went to 808, and uh, that's a jump of 316 people uh, being have been confirmed as having had it. But I am pleased to say that actually... Those figures, the the 492 original has been revised, so uh, it was quite low. It's actually gone up to 406, I think, and we're now at 409, which actually means in the last week there's been only three new cases that have been recorded uh, in the area. So that sounds quite low, and in fact, nationally, we're the seventh least infected place so far. So that's pretty good news, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, all of that is good news, and... uh, you know, data is how we look at it because we started counting it in different ways. So if I just give you an example, um, and I can give you our latest data in a minute, which obviously your listeners, I'm sure, would be keen to hear. But when we first started counting deaths, it was patients with a positive COVID swab. But what we discovered, and as you know, was reported in the media, that not everybody with COVID had a positive swab and other investigations such as chest x-rays and CTs, we were finding some very clear pictures of what we would call, you know, that is a COVID x-ray, that is a COVID lung. So what we did start, and the government picked that up. So actually, we were having people who I say who were negative, but we were treating as positive because of those other presentations and symptoms and signs that they had. 
um, and if it if it um, appeared on their death certificate as um, COVID, COVID, um, even though they were COVID negative, we started counting those. So that's just one illustration. As you and as you know, there was the issue around the care homes, and um, with mm. we weren't they weren't being counted properly. But would you like our current data? Would that would I that think appeal really to you? If that's okay. Right. Okay. So currently, we've got two people in the trust who are um, COVID positive. Um, so far, um, since we started counting, we've had 236 um, positive cases, um, of which I am really, really pleased to say 169 of those have um, been discharged. Unfortunately, and very sadly for them and their, their, their families, rather, we have had 65 uh, um, of those positive ones um, pass away. But we have had lots of negative cases as well, um, which is really good news that not everybody that comes in looking as if they're positive um, are positive, and we're able to reassure them. I say every single death is, is, is sad for us, but um, we've got to also focus that actually of those 100, you know, 169 people, we have managed to be able to discharge safely. Yeah, that that is a credit to the hard work of everyone for sure. Those those stats, sad though you say with sixty five deaths, it could have been so much worse. So and with the work you guys have done to help uh, bring people through, uh, a lot of those have been mitigated. Um, so if I may ask a question about going forwards across the summer, so is the hospital having to have a lot of plans in place for a, a second wave? Yes. Okay. Um, it's. N- n- the second wave is something that keep people keep on predicting and we keep on anticipating. So obviously when uh, when all those tourists came to Bournemouth and the beaches here in Bournemouth and Poole, we thought we'd get a second wave then, although we weren't too certain because, of course, a lot of those were people from away and they travelled down here. So it wouldn't mean that we'd have an increase. Um, obviously, we're now looking at are we going to have an increase because of um, what happened, um, you know, the um, pubs and restaurants and those places opening last weekend. And although we didn't have it really badly down here, but the crowds. So we're always prepared. And we've, we have had um, with us and Paul Hospital and the um, CCG, we have been had a debrief already of what lessons have we learned that we would take ready for our next, if this wave hits us. And we are, we are already identifying, you know, triggers that make us go, I think there's something up here. These are increasing. So every day, we still record those figures three times a day. So we are able to monitor and get those very early indicators that they are increasing. But as I say, although we're trying to resume some um, normal service, um, we have in our background those plans that worked really well that we can switch on if need be. Yep, so you, you, you got things as far as you're able planned in case things uh, get worse again. Um, and it's almost hard to imagine that they won't get worse if we've got loads of tourists coming to the area and the pubs and shops and everything are available to yeah, them. I know. Um, so I've got a question about, for people who are living here, so I'm personally, if the beach is busy, I'm not going near it. But what advice would you have for people who are locals to stay safe over the summer? 
um, wash your hands. Absolutely. Tip, please, please wash your hands. Follow the guidance that's being, if you follow the guidance, which is mostly is based on science, then, and I know it alters because our science, we get more information every day, more science comes out. It isn't because they're changing because they want to change the rules. It's because new science helps us give better informed. But I would say follow the rules. Yes, if you, go to, if you decide you want to go to a, a pub, then go to one that looks like they're following the rules properly. And I was in Christchurch um, on Saturday, and I could clearly see one of the pubs following the rules very, very precisely. So it can be done. So we can, we don't have to stay isolated, because that is one thing that worries me, Gordon, is if isolation keeps on the effect on people's mental health um, and, and, and loneliness that we, mm. we mustn't make it, people fearful of it. We just need to mitigate those risks. Avoid, as you say, avoid busy, busy, if, busy cafes, busy pubs, busy restaurants. If they haven't got the, you know, the one meter plus, if they're not giving you um, hand sanitization, if they're not cleaning the tables after, avoid those. You know, look where they've got some, some good stuff going on. You know, hearsay, where people are adhering to the rules, but washing your hands is really, really important. Following the rules that, that the government have put in place and we can't go wrong. I mean, our, our, we, haven't, we haven't had high numbers, as you say, and I think the, the point is we have a really, our local population seems to be eminently sensible people and are following those rules wherever they can. And I think that is, so you know, you've thanked us for what we've done. Um, but I, if I could take this opportunity to thank the public for what they've done, because obviously they have been following the rules, which is, which is good for, for us, because we haven't had that almighty income impact. But also I've got to take this opportunity to thank them so much for their support, the support they've given to our charity, the support they've given in gifts, the support they've had from clapping on a Thursday night, all of those things have really touched our hearts. We have been totally overwhelmed by people's generosity, and we will never, ever, ever forget that. I can tell you, so, because when it was the tough, when it was those tough times, which you asked me at the beginning, when I saw, you know, the pizzas arrive or the the, the the meal, we've had a lot of um, religious um, religious groups deliver us 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 food and uh, and other stuff the soap that arrived from you know companies all of those things have meant so much and really cheered us up when the times got really tough so um i hope you don't mind me taking this opportunity to thank the public for all the support they've given us um, not at all. That's, I think, very well said. Um, OK, uh, I just want to thank, say thank you to you for taking the time to come and update us, tell us a little bit of, or a bit of a picture of what it was like. But uh, hopefully we won't go back to that. If we all stick with the rules, it should be uh, good. But, but, but BJ Walther, I'd like to say uh, any other time you want to come on the show and update us, you'll be very, very welcome. Uh, we'd love to consider. I just uh, want to say one more thing, Gordon. I'm sure time's again, ahead. but... You did say um, we're staying away from hospitals. We don't want you to stay away from hospitals. We've seen some people come in very sick that if they'd come to us earlier, um, their outcomes might have been better. 
So if you need to go to your GP, go to your GP. The GPs are open. If you need to go to your pharmacist, because go to your pharmacist. If you need to dial 111, if you need to come to ED because you are in emergency, please come to us. We are open. We need you. We, we want you here because actually we want you to get better. And as I say, some people um, have, uh, have been, uh, I think they've done a good thing by not coming to the hospital, but actually the outcomes for them have been very poor. So we want to resume that normal service, which is going to be an uphill battle for us because of the backlog that we're now, now doubt we're dealing with. But um, we don't want anybody to suffer from another condition other than this horrible coronavirus. We, so we are open. GPs are open. 111 is open. The ambulance service is open. So if you need us, do not hesitate. Thank you. That is a very well said, wise words. Um, so, uh, yeah, if you need help, the risk of staying home may be much, much worse than the risk of going into the yeah. hospital. Make sure you seek uh, the appropriate medical attention as soon as possible. And Great. I'd be happy well, to come back and speak to you at any time, Gordon. Oh, it's been an honour and a privilege chatting to you. And I'm sure we'll have you back on the show uh, in the future. That would be great. Thank you for your time. That would be bless lovely. You. And you. Bye. Bye. you. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. For more inspirational interviews, podcasts and Hope FM best bits, visit hopefm.com forward slash listen again.